Fourteen? Yeah. What are you going to be when you grow up? A great hockey player. And you, Pierre? Prime Minister, of course. Sam? I'm going to have the best chain of record stores in Canada with great music at great prices. Listen. I said it, I did it. Great music, great prices.
And you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio today for the 20th time? Who are you? It's me, Roger Allen. Roger Allen, <laughs> welcome to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show for the 20th time? Yeah, 20 times. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. 20 times. <laughs> Amazing. And today, what do the listeners have in store for them? Yeah. What have you well, done in past? Oh my gosh. In the past, we've done cassettes and uh, skate rock, heavy metal, Canadian hip hop, the best of Roger Allen, which is my favorite show. Uh, we, we, we did one live from a skate park. We've done all sorts of things. And we started with record stores. And today we are doing Record stores again. I thought, why not? 20 times, why not revisit record stores? And we are also going to be joined by Bruce Pavitt from Fallout Records. Bruce Pavitt from Fallout Records. From Fallout Records and Skateboards, yeah. And he's from some other things as well. And we will find all about that when he calls in to talk about record stores. But you've brought in a whole stack of music, as you always do. Roger, what did we just hear? Uh, right from the top, we heard a Sam the Record Man chain store commercial. And remember when record store chains could afford to do things like create custom record sleeves and dust jackets to remind you where you bought those records? So here I have this record. It comes in a custom Sam the Record Man dust sleeve. And this record, it came with a custom Kelly's record jacket. You don't get that anymore. I love this, uh, the Sam the Record Man record. It's a Ghetto Boys record. And it says, Deaf America Recordings is opposed to censorship. Our manufacturer and distributor, however, do not condone or endorse the content of this recording. Where did they get that? <laughs> this, this is, as you can clearly see, it's from Sam the Record Man. That's amazing. It is amazing. And after that... It's just gone now. Well, yeah, every, I think all record stores are pretty much gone except for privately owned ones, right? Well, I think HMV was bought out recently by Sunrise Music. So, chain-wise, yeah. there are still a few chains out there, but not many. After the first song, which was... A Sam's promo. <laughs> Sam, Sam the Recommend promo. We heard the Buzzcocks with She's the Girl from the Chain Store. And uh, Chris Walters, off, author of many books, including the excellent SNFU biography, recommended that song to me. And then we heard The Mad with I Hate Music, which reminds me of the Poison Idea album, Record Collectors or Pretentious Assholes, which I actually used to own. But sadly, unlike MP3s, you can't just re-download a record with its picture sleeve, liner notes, and important serial numbers. And lastly, we heard The Germs with Lexicon Devil, Lexicon Devil, which was re-released this past Record Store Day, a record I would have looked at at a store like Fallout Records and Skateboards in Seattle. Originals are going for around $1,000. Record Store Day records are going for around five. I didn't find the germs, but I did find an Operation Ivy 69 Newport 7-inch at Fallout Records and Skateboards way back in the 80s, which comes on not on any label. It was a record that is a pirate record that credits no one. Uh, and it's here in my hand. I'm showing it to the... There's a camera, I, I assume, right? Somewhere. Uh, also... Oh, we did tweet out that picture. Right. Yeah. Look... Look on your computer and you can see it. Uh, well, and also Pat Smear played with the Germs and he also played with Nirvana and Nirvana was signed to Sub Pop. Pop. And what does Fallout and Sub Pop have in common? Bruce Provident. Are you there, Bruce? Hello, Bruce. 
we thought Bruce was there, but no, continue on. Uh, well, that's 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 pretty much all I had to say regarding uh, what we had played there. I could, we could play more music, or uh, we could I, definitely some more music. <laughs> okay, great. Well, coming up, we've got uh, Two Bad Mice" by Bomb Scare, the '94 remix, on CITR Radio with special guest DJ Crooked Walker. Down. 
Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Bruce, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, hello, Bruce. Yes, Welcome. I can hear you at this time. Great. Uh, it helps... Um, well, actually, we are doing a record sh- store show. Roger, um, please introduce Bruce. Roger made this happen. Well, this is uh, Bruce Pavitt on the phone, and he is uh, the former one of the former owners, or maybe the only former owner of uh, Fallout Records and Skateboards, which is what inspired me to try to contact him because it was such a great record store. Is that Thank true, Bruce? Much. Yeah. Who are you, Bruce, for people that are just tuning in right now? Fantastic. Well, Nardwar, uh, I am the founder of the Sub Pop record label, which started out as a zine and then a series of mixtapes. And in between all that, uh, I opened up a store called Fallout with Russell Battaglia in uh, May of 1984 in Capitol Hill in Seattle. It was the first indie record store in the Capitol Hill neighborhood. It was an amazing store. I remember walking into Fallout Records and talking to Janet, Janet from Fallout, and she gave me Mudhoney's phone number. She gave me the phone number of Mudhoney. Yes. 
<laughs> that <laughs> small is, community. That um, did that happen a lot? Exchanging f- phone numbers. Could anybody walk in to Fallout Records and get <laughs> Mudhoney's phone number? A stranger. I was a stranger, but I got their number, and they released a record with me. Fantastic. Uh, did you introduce yourself? Well, I. Th- as, uh, uh, maybe Vancouver's- I was. Yes. Yeah. Oh, how should I, well? I'm not. Uh, well, who was Janet? Let's talk a bit about Janet for a second. Sure. Janet was Russell Battaglia's uh, girlfriend, and she worked at the store. You were at the store at that time. That was in like November of 1990 or early 1990. You were gone by then, right? That is correct. Yeah. So, who was working at Fallout Records at that time? Well, Russell and Janet were the uh, primary caretakers of the store at that time. Now, Fallout didn't have any competition. There was like Cellophane Square with Scott McCoy, Time Travelers. Was there any competition to Fallout? What do you remember about the competition? Well, the time I was there, which was 84 and 85, uh, I would say Time Travelers, downtown was the primary competition as far as uh, indie record specialists. Cellophane Square was an awesome store, but they carried a lot of major label stuff and used records as well. So they're in a different category. Bomb Shelter videos, I always associated it with Fallout Records. What is the connection between Bomb Shelter videos and Fallout Records? Well, uh, there's zero connection, but I will say that just prior to Fallout, Russell and I had a different store called Bomb Shelter that was open for six months in a different part of Capitol Hill. Uh, that went under. Uh, and we, we opened uh, Fallout in May of 1984, just as kind of Zen Arcade was coming out. Minneapolis was really blowing up. We were selling a lot of SST releases. We had in-stores by Husker Du, Sonic Youth. Uh, it was a Pretty awesome uh, era of indie music back then. Now, we also have Roger Allen, who is guiding us through Vancouver record stores. Uh, do you remember any Vancouver record stores at all, Bruce? You know, I, I don't off the top of my head. And Roger, Roger loved record stores, especially in Seattle and Fallout Records. And Roger, you have a question for Bruce regarding Fallout, right? Well, from for me, I first found out about Fallout Records through Bomb Shelter videos, and um, actually, I remember going to Fallout Records, and I actually bought a bunch of Dogtown and Zorlac shirts and clothing and that kind of thing, which were uh, pretty cool at the time. But I was wondering, uh, yeah, the Bomb Shelter video uh, advertisement, whose idea was it to use the uh, Butthole Surfer song in the intro? Because I remember there were tons of uh, skateboarder friends of mine that would always say that expression, next when you see your mother, be sure to tell her Satan. Right, right. Yeah, uh, that was, I'm sure that was, uh, that was uh, Russell's idea. What do you think, Bruce, about Seattle TV? Like, kill Lou Guzzo. <laughs> no comment. The mentors. You broke through. <laughs> Bomb shelter videos. Billboard <laughs> broke through, didn't he? That was amazing. Punk rock in the Northwest. People could tune in. 
for Bomb Shelter. Now, I was curious, right now, it's all thank to thank you to Base Nectar. Base Nectar got you where you are today, right? I really don't know where you're going with that question. You were at Burning Man, Bruce, watching Base Nectar, and you and Adam decided to come up with Digital 8 STEM. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I was at Burning Man, and I did see Base Nectar. That is correct. And uh, that, that's as good a story as any, for sure. Well, right now I'm working on an interactive music format called 8 STEM, the number H, uh, the word STEM. Anybody can download it uh, to their iPhone, and we're uploading indie music right now and it essentially allows people to remix deconstruct and reconstruct music on their phone so that's kind of what i'm doing these days Something a little different how does one win over bruce pavitt for instance adam <laughs> and you are friends it was over a bookstore <laughs> a bookstore on orcas island what bookstore <laughs> i don't know where you heard that uh, I've known Adam for a long time. Uh, we actually met at a uh, fundraiser for a children's uh, children's daycare center. Both we were both parents, so that that kind of uh, led to the connection. Uh, we both live on Orcas Island in the San Juan, so it's a it's a small community, and uh, we've been working together on and off for about ten years. And I really think our new project right now is, is pretty interesting. Pretty cool. What do you think about 8STEM, Bruce Pavitt? In the sense, like, if he had 8STEM eight eight back in a day for Sub Pop, etc., how would have you changed Sub Pop releases? Like, you changed the order of Nirvana's Bleached. Could you do that if you were transported back in the day? How does... What releases from Sub Pop, what have you changed the order from using 8STEM? Well, uh, I'll, I'll reframe that a little bit. If Sub Pop was to use 8STEM, the way I would use it is I would pick like 100 songs and I would break them all up into different sample packages. You take one song and you break it down into 64 different sample packages. So theoretically, you could take uh, a Tad bass line, a, a Mark Arm vocal, and a Kurt Cobain guitar line and, and mash them all up into uh, an original composition. And that's how uh, I, would, I would use 8STEM. Roger, you have another question. Well, speaking of uh, music that gets mixed up or rearranged or never happens at all, do you remember Kurt Cobain and Mark Lanigan doing a Lead Belly covers record for Sub Pop? Uh, well, specifically, uh, Mark Lanigan did Where Did You Sleep Last Night, and Cobain sang on it. I do not remember them doing more than that, than that one track. And the Lanigan album has been uh, recently reissued by, by Sub Pop, The Winding Sheet. Awesome. Bruce Pavitt, the first Canadian band, and this is a trivia question I have used, on Sub Pop was, the first Canadian band on Sub Pop was? Uh, <laughs> probably Skinny Puppy. Skinny Puppy, amazing! <laughs> that was a Sub Pop 100. What Canadian bands did you know of back then? Like Skinny Puppy on Sub Pop, who would have thought? 
you know, that, that was kind of an, an odd pairing. I had a friend of mine who was tied with Skinny Puppy, and uh, people have been kind of ribbing me on that one for a long time. But, you know, industrial music was happening, and I thought they were kind of cool. But my, my favorite uh, Vancouver band at the time when I was putting out my zine was uh, a girl punk band called The Dish Rags. If you remember them, had release on Modern Records from Seattle as well. Yeah, I thought that was an amazingly cool disc. Terry Morgan, that was I think from '79 or '80. What do you think of Slow from Vancouver, BC, who headlined over Green River? Green River opened for Slow. Uh, Yes, if this is the show I remember, uh, Slow did a show at the Rainbow Tavern in the U District that I saw that I thought was incredible. And I remember reviewing it in the sub-pop column that included a photo by Charles Peterson. I remember being really, really impressed by the group. What do you think about Vancouver? Like Vancouver had all those great groups and then they kind of disappeared. They broke up, like slow broke up around 86. And then sub-pop kind of like started in 88. Could have Vancouver hung on a bit longer and got caught up in all that excitement? Because we were kind of like dead by the time you started. Yeah, things uh, ebb and flow. Certainly uh, slow would have been a, a good contender for sure. Um there wasn't as much back and forth between Vancouver and Seattle as, as there could have been or there should have been. Um, how long, I, have, you been, well, how long I, have you been doing your show? Since actually October of 87, and I do remember being very excited that you had a mechanormal crevice split as well on uh, Supplop. Yeah, yeah. That was like yeah. that was a second Canadian release. Are there any That's other right. Canadian bands that you considered? I know eventually you signed Zampano, which had links to Superconductor. But aside from Sloan, etc., and Eric's trip, were there any Canadian bands that you considered, or even that you wrote about in your old column in a Rocket? Well, uh, I, I'm kind of going through the metal Rolodex here, and um, I do remember seeing, this is just off the top of my head, but, you know, DOA was doing a lot of touring up and down the West Coast. So I remember seeing them uh, in Olympia. I also remember seeing them in Chicago in about 79, 80. And it was, it was really rare for a group from the Northwest to get out to the Midwest. Uh, I'd been visiting my parents on and off in Chicago so I remember DOA being really tight, really hardworking band that uh, can rock the crowd, and I had a lot of respect for them. You know, dialing the uh, Wayback Machine back to like 79.80. And we're speaking here to Bruce Pavid about record stores and about rock and roll. And Bruce Pavitt, I was curious, the Sub Pop 200, which is on CD, I loved Girl Trouble and The Nights and Days. Yeah, two great, great garage bands. I'm sure you've seen Girl Trouble play live, right? I have indeed. And they were the first LP on Sub Pop, Girl Trouble? You know, I I think they they were. Uh, you got to realize... Uh, we're first of all, we're huge fans. We love their live show. They're always handing out their fanzine or throwing candy in the audience or doing what, whatever it took to get people to show up. They're a lot of fun. 
You also have to remember there was a split release between Sub Pop and K. Uh, the record was already recorded. They handed it over to us. Back then, we had very few financial resources, so it was a, a huge break for us just to have such an awesome band hand over, uh, hand over tape the album. What about the nights and days? Rob Vasquez. Yes. Uh, great. He's a, he's a music scholar. I haven't seen him for years. He, uh, he had probably the, the, the biggest collection of soul and mod records in Seattle. And their, their band was, uh, they had some great tracks. I love them. They're great. What was your connection, Bruce Pravitt, to Matt the Mod? Uh, <laughs> do you have an answer to that? Because I, I do have some anecdotes. Please go ahead, Bruce Pravitt. Okay, well, uh, this is this is a sub pop anecdote, but Matt Matt the Mod, friend of Vasquez, he worked as a bank teller down the street, and uh, Sub Pop had an account with this bank, and we would get uh, checks in money order money orders. Excuse me, we would get mail order checks in for the singles club. Typically, banks would hold out of town checks for seven days. And because we had a connection with the bank through Matt, he was allowing us to cash those checks overnight, which pretty much saved the company because our cash flow was so tight that that uh, the lift on the seven-day hold made all the difference in keeping the label alive. So uh, I haven't seen Matt in a long time, but he literally saved the company. And he was actually a mod. Like He was a mod, right? He was a total mod. He, he, you know, and he fit in perfectly at the bank. He was the the sharpest dresser at the bank, and he was definitely part of that Seattle mod scene, and um, did us did us a huge favor. Well, now, Bruce Pravitt, I think it's amazing the legacy of Sub Pop. You have a store at the airport. Is that the ultimate? The store at the airport. Yeah, it's 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 fairly surreal. I you know I left the, the label a while ago. That wasn't really my decision, but it is rather surreal when I go to the airport and I see the the sub pop uh, plates and pencils and keychains and doormats and so forth. It's it's fairly surreal, and uh, I think pe- people get a kick out of it. What about mud honey on a space needle? That is incredible. Mud honey was- on, on a space needle. That was fucking epic for sure. Uh, to see the Sub Pop logo flying above the Space Needle and then have Mud Honey playing on top of the Space Needle. I think, we're, I think we can officially say we're the first and only label to have a band play on top of the Space Needle. I was one of the 13 people up there. It was, it was epic. And you were also on the Nordstrom Walk of Fame. Yes, possibly my lifetime's greatest achievement. Uh, going back to Olympia, were you at that Black Flag show, that infamous Black Flag beat happening show where Henry Rollins pulled down Calvin Johnson's pants? You know, uh, I had seen Black Flag the previous night in Seattle and I missed that show, but I talked to Calvin the next day. I don't believe he pulled down his pants. He grabbed his crotch, and Calvin Johnson, who is a brilliant improviser on stage, classically retorted with, didn't your mother teach you any manners? 
which is just the, the best comeback ever. Ba-boom! And we're speaking here to Bruce Pavitt from Orcas Island. And Bruce, winding up here, grunge, the name grunge, did that come from Everett True? Did it come from David from Girl Trouble, the other Girl Trouble singer? Or did it come from Lester Banks? Well, I uh, the word had been floating around a bit uh, to, I know that, that Sub Pop used it as a marketing device in promoting uh, Green River. We had a tagline in our Sub Pop mail order catalog that said Green River, ultra loose grunge that destroyed the morals of a generation. And Everett True kind of pulled it from that uh, tagline and amplified it through his hype in Melody Maker. Did Nirvana UK ever contact you? Nirvana UK, the 60s band, Nirvana. Uh, they contacted Nirvana, the band. And I, I remember there was some kind of negotiations that was going on there. So we didn't really have to deal with that. They were pretty cool. Nirvana from the UK were pretty cool. So, so I've heard. Uh, what about other zines? You wrote for the Rocket, Bruce. What about Blacklash, Pool Dust, Ten Things Jesus Wants You to Live By, or whatever? What do you think about the other zines at that time? Uh, well, my favorite zine from the Seattle punk era was actually called Stella Zine, and that was happening around 1979, 1980. And if anybody in your listenership has a copy of any of those early zines, I'd really like to get a copy of it. But that was more of a reflection of late 70s punk, which was typically a little more art-oriented. And a uh, big feature on Cheetah Comedus, for example, the local Patti Smith-type poet. So I think my, my favorite zine from Seattle would, would probably be Stella Zine. What about Park Forest Plaza and Debbie? <laughs> wow, you're drilling deep, my friend. Well, yeah, I, I, grew up, I grew up in the Park Forest Plaza. Notoriously, as an anecdote here, uh, the group Styx, S-T-Y-X, was from my hometown. And I remember very specifically as a teenager seeing Styx play live at the Park Forest Plaza. I can't say it was a, a musical highlight, but uh, was just kind of a strange coincidence. I mean, and Debbie was yes. And it, Debbie was a mentally retarded schizophrenic girl that I was paid to go out on dates with, and I I did compose a little song about her that uh, was released on Sub Pop Five. It's kind of depressing and sad. Is it true? It really is true. It's one hundred percent autobiographical. Yeah, and it was the only gig I could get as a seventeen-year-old during the summer was as a paid escort for a. A girl who was, who was slightly troubled and a little bit challenged. And Bruce Pravitt, you were mentioning that was on cassette, Sub Pop number 5 cassette, before the LPs, when you were still doing the zine, etc. You had the Neil Boys on there as well. What can you say about the Neil Boys? The Neil Boys! Yeah, uh, I love the Neil Boys. They were happening in Portland the same time the dish rags were happening in Vancouver. And I would have killed to see a, a Neo Boys dish rag still. I did bring the Neo Boys to Olympia back in 1981 for a show. Uh, Wipers came up from Portland as well. 
But I think they're an, an awesome band. I know Calvin and K Records just reissued uh, all their material a couple of years ago. Highly recommended. Lastly, Bruce, what do you remember about shows in Vancouver? I know you went to the Commodore Ballroom. What do you remember about shows in Vancouver? What shows did you go to in Vancouver? Uh, let me see. I remember seeing uh, No Means No Show in Vancouver. And I remember seeing Nirvana play the Commodore Ballroom. Other than that, I did not get up to Vancouver a whole lot, but, uh, you know, there's some cool stuff going on up there for sure. I wish I had spent a little more time there. And Roger, you have one last question for Bruce regarding the record stores, etc. in Seattle. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just wondering, I had a video cassette that, um, it was called Board Crazy, and I noticed uh, not too long ago that at the end of it, it says sponsored by Fallout Records and Skateboards, and do you, do you remember? Because a lot of the footage on this cassette was actually filmed in Richmond, B.C. at the uh, Skate Ranch. Do you have any memories of that cassette? Uh, I actually don't, and I think that, that happened uh, after I left All Out. Bruce, now that you're doing your 8-stem, did Seattle get invaded, as Jello Biafra says, by e-holes, e-holes? driving around in Porsches. Is that why you were on Orcas Island? What happened to Seattle? Uh, Seattle has become... Well, it's it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot for sure, especially the Capitol Hill neighborhood. Most of the uh, old buildings have been torn down and and rebuilt. And when I I lived in Seattle during the 80s and 90s, rents were cheap. Uh, which allowed for creative people to work gigs part-time and then do creative work part-time. That's why it had a healthy creative ecosystem. And in the past 10 years or so, I would say certainly the, the tech industry, like as represented by Amazon and so forth, has pushed, uh, has changed the cheap rents for sure and have pushed a lot of more creative people outside of Seattle. It's, it's, it's changed a lot. I'm, I find the whole situation a little depressing. And I've been here on Orcas Island for almost 20 years, though. Uh, I do get get down to the city, but uh, I like just kicking it in nature and um, spending occasional time in Seattle. But it'd be a hard place to live right now. It's very congested. Very do, you, expensive. do you remember anything about early Sir Mix-a-Lot? Yes. I do. I remember. Um, I just. I remember his manager, Nasty Nez, had the hip hop show on KCMU, and I remember going to see Sir Mix a Lot at the Rainbow Tavern, and there was about four or five people in the audience. Nasty Nez was there, and we were talking talking hip hop, and I was. I was fascinated to see a hip-hop artist basically go from computer to computer, which I'd never really seen before. So the guy was obviously a tech nerd. Didn't really think he'd blow up, uh, but he did. He's a super awesome guy. He stopped by the 8M offices uh, a year ago and kind of nerded out on technology. I could see him possibly participating in 8M, but I have a lot of respect for Sir Mixlot, and I'm really... Uh, you know, he became very iconic. 
he's got some ridiculous songs that became insanely popular and uh he's a super nice guy and i respect him a lot you mentioned the neo boys what about the miracle workers also from portland and they were on glitter beast home of mud honey and sub pop in europe what do you think about the miracle workers you know, I don't remember the Miracle Workers being from Portland. Is, it, is that true? Yes, it is. Matt Rogers. Okay. Got it. Okay. Well, uh, I don't really have a comment on that. Um, but I'm sure that that's cataloged somewhere deep in my subconscious, but not really pulling anything up on that one. And lastly, did you ever meet the Hendrix family? Hendrix? Yeah. Did they ever come by sub pop? Oh, the Hendrix family. You talking about Jimi Hendrix's family? Yeah, it's family. Did they want a sub pop release? That would be pretty cool, right? Regional. That 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 would be that would be really cool. No, I've never met anybody in Hendrix's family. Although, interestingly, uh, my business partner Adam Farish, the mother of his wife, his mother-in-law, was the lover of Jimi Hendrix's father. Just you, coincidentally speaking. There is some connection between Bruce Pavin <laughs> indirectly and Jimi Hendrix. Success! We did it. Finally, <laughs> yeah, we did it. Had to, really reach, had to really reach for that, but that's actually true. And lastly, lastly, Bruce, where were you? Because I once interviewed Janie Lane of Warrant, and he once told me how he was on the highway and he heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, Janie Lane from Warrant, and he knew it was over. It was over. Where were you when you first heard Bruce Pavitt smells like teen spirit? Where were you? The first time you heard them play it. Well, you know, I, I missed the famous OK Hotel show where they, they busted open the, sh- the song live. Uh, I was home sick, but I remember Poneman, my business partner, called me up after the show and he said Nirvana played a, a song tonight that is going to be huge. So I heard about it secondhand there, uh, moments after it was played. The, time, the first time it really made an impact for me was when I got an advanced demo of Nevermind from, from Geffen. And Ponham and I were at uh, we were the local rock club, and we stepped out into somebody's car, and we popped in the cassette and heard the whole album. And we're pretty blown away. And I remember when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, people were calling Sub Pop left and right from all over the country saying, oh my God, I heard that song blasting out of a cab, or oh my God, I heard a dance DJ at a dance club just just rock that tune last night. So I knew within the first week that it was completely blowing up, and it was was an awesome moment for sure, a great song, and uh, a lot of people's lives. We are going to end with a song, uh, actually a couple songs, Roger, from Nirvana in Bellingham, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Do, do you remember that show at all? Bruce, Nirvana opened for Mudhoney in Bellingham. Uh, I, I remember hearing about that, but I didn't. Uh, I wasn't at the show. What, what year was that? I think it was 91 or 92. Ah, uh, right, right, right. That's, that's why it's stood out because Nirvana was obviously a surprise act where people weren't expecting them to do that. Very cool. I remember hearing about that. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show, you guys. Super appreciate it. Uh,
thing you want to say lastly about eight stamp Bruce or follow records, follow records. Uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm honored to have been, participated with, with fallout. I sold a lot of indie records to a, a lot of younger people who were really influenced by the culture that was happening. What was a big uh, seller at the uh, time? What do you remember selling lots of just, just quickly? I would, I would, when we first opened up a lot of SST stuff, but Zen Arcade by, by Husker Du was kind of the big hit at the time when we had opened. Um, certainly a lot of Black Flag records. Social Distortion was selling. A lot of the skate punk stuff was doing good. And we're also carrying some Rough Trade imports and, and things like that. So it was a mixed bag. But I would say Zen Arcade by Husker Du was kind of the record of the moment. Uh, I just in, in ending, I just want to say I, I finished doing an interview a couple hours ago with somebody who's doing an article about Kill Rock Stars. And they stated that Slim Moon, who started Kill Rock Stars, was a big customer at Fallout. And I'd like to think that some of the records that he purchased at Fallout helped guide his taste and helped him launch Kill Rock Stars, which, as we know, is a legendary Northwest label. I actually, hey, so one time, oh, oh, Bruce, one time I actually played Beeswax of Nirvana off Kill Rockstars, uh, Rockstars Kill Comp to an industry session of people assembled and people were like, I want to sign your band because they didn't know it was Nirvana. It was an undiscovered tune by Nirvana <laughs> at that time. Do you want to sign me? Great so start. I was affected by the Seattle explosion. People wanted to sign my band, The Nomads, which I was a manager, <laughs> but I stood up and said, that isn't me. That is Nirvana. You know nothing. Thing. And then they all <laughs> left the room. And including Matt Wallace was there. I think it was the Red Hot Chili Peppers producer or something. And I think Kim Fowley was there. It was amazing. But thank you, Bruce. And um, keep on rock, rocking in the free world. And do do loot do. Thank you so much. Take uh, care. Almost, Bye-bye. Bruce. Do do loot do. Bye-bye. You got to go. Go to and what do we what do we have now, Roger? What 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 are we going to go to now? It's uh, Nirvana, and you've got to go to thirteen. And here we have Nirvana at at the uh, Western Washington University opening up for Mudhoney Mud on Record Store Day. <laughs> um, kind of past record stores with at the Sam Carver at the Sam Carver Gymnasium with Crooked Walker and Roger. Alan.
And you're still listening to CITR, the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ Roger Allen. And that was Nirvana. Nirvana, yeah. Live. That was live Nirvana from not too far from where we are right now, except it was many years ago. And I, well, I sort of found out about that because I was talking to Matt French, who is, uh, if you don't know, a well-known skateboard graphic artist from Bellingham. And he saw The Accused at Speedy O'Tubbs Rhythmic Underground in Bellingham. And what do bands do when they come to visit your town? They sell records at the merch table because a record was an opportunity to cram as much info on your on your band into a small space as possible. You don't get that with MP3s. Fugazi also played at Speedio Tubs, and that gig is probably downloadable on the Discord website. But what I thought you would find especially interesting, Nardwar, is Matt says he was at the Sam Carver Gym in 1992 to see Mudhoney, and Nirvana came out as the unannounced opening band. And apparently at the end of that set, Kurt and Christ handed their instruments to some kids in the audience to play, and Christ's bass was destroyed. That could have been me, but I was stupid because, believe it or not, I think the manager of Mudhoney said, oh, be really quiet with this, but Nirvana is going to open for us in Bellingham. And I was like, I don't care about Nirvana. All I care about is Mudhoney. <laughs> so I missed that show. I was tipped off, and I could have been there with Matt French. Shout out to Matt French. And Nardwar, actually, you have a connection to Matt French as the evaporators played at a Bellingham space called Makeshift, and Matt painted a mural for you guys to play in front of. And here it is. There, there he is painting it, and there you are in front of it. Amazing. He drew some corn, the best corn <laughs> you could ever buy at the Makeshift Gallery. That was amazing. It was like a live performance of Matt in action doing a piece of corn when we were playing in Bellingham <laughs> all those years later. Thank you. And actually, we should mention Bruce Pravid. That interview existed because of you, right, Roger? Uh, I didn't I didn't make him exist, but he. I did help in getting him to call. Yeah. Why? Because he was connected to Record Fallout stores, Records. Yeah. You loved Fallout Records. Well, Fallout Records, when I was a, a kid, was um, a place that you could get records that you couldn't get in Vancouver. Uh, a lot of stuff basically just wasn't imported uh, into Canada. Canada, I mean, maybe maybe uh, many people still think so, but it was very conservative. And I bought conflict records and subhumans and uh, all sorts of stuff at Fallout that I never saw here. So that's why I loved it. Thank you for hooking me up with Bruce Pavitt, now part of 8STEM. 8STEM. Uh, and if should I talk about the music we played yeah, earlier? Yeah, go ahead. Way, way, way back from the top, we heard Two Bad Mice, the 94 remix by Bomb Scare, and that was recommended to me by Tyler T-Bone Stadius, co-owner of the now-gone but influential record store Basics. And he was a co-owner of the nightclub Sonar. And Basics was a place where Vancouver DJs, such as the future owner of Fortune Sound Club, Garrett G-Man, could get new records and equipment, and especially on Thursdays when new music would come in. And Tyler told me that he remembers many international DJs playing in the store, like Frankie Knuckles, Doc Martin, Derek Carter, Mark Farina, and African Bombada. So record stores were really places to go and socialize. And Nardwar, I remember you trying to convince African Bombada that Vancouver was one of the cornerstones of hip-hop because of, what, this song, right? Preston Epps, Bongo Rock. 
because it was recorded, the incredible bongo band, recorded in Vancouver at Mushroom Studios. Yeah. And the incredible bongo band was sampled by Cool Herc. And basically, it is a ground zero for hip-hop. So the ground zero for hip-hop started in Mushroom Studios in Vancouver on 4th Avenue. Did you ever convince him? No, he didn't believe me. When <laughs> no. I showed him the record, yeah. he did not believe me. Um, we also tweeted out the picture of the record, too, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, check the Nardwar. Nardwar. Yeah. N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. Yes. And Basics, the record store I was talking about, was a big supporter of the new rave scene in Vancouver, often helping to organize parties as well. T-Bone would DJ these events, such as Saturday, April 2nd, 1994, Enlightenment. And here it is, here, the handbill, and you can check Nardwar's Twitter if you really want to see the uh, the handbill. Because Vancouver, uh, the music scene in Vancouver in the early 90s was very much about raves. Uh, and it was hard to get rap records in Vancouver, at least. I wanted to get a copy of Ron Jeremy's 12-inch, <laughs> Ron Jeremy's 12-inch Freak of the Week with DJ Polo, Freak of the Week, and the only place that had it was Basics on Beattie Street. So I remember buying that record at Basics. So that's the only time I went to Basics to buy a Ron Jeremy 12-inch. That reminds me, have you ever heard, there's a, there's a track by Ted Nugent and a, and a rapper named The Don, and they have a song called My Big 12-inch. Record of my band, A Place of Blues. <laughs> then we heard Black Moon with Who Got the Props with their very first single. And I bought that as a remix. And that remix came with an instrumental, which was a very essential part of record stores. You wanted to get the remix. You wanted to have the instrumental. And Vancouver's Odyssey Imports was a place in Vancouver where you could get that type of stuff. They also em uh, embraced rave culture and electronic music. Terry McBride, who got his start... DJing right here at CITR and later Odyssey Imports was the man who started Network Records. And you can actually get a network book free at Zulu Records. I was just in at Zulu Records and the network book, 25 years of network, is free. It apparently was going to be sold at one of the little fairs, but kind of it didn't sell so they were giving it away free yes it is kind of old but still if you want a piece of vancouver history head down to zulu records and you can pick up 25 years of network records for free the entire book roger for free wow they just like an actual physical book? An actual book for free, again, because Lilith didn't do so well in the later years. Right. And they were going to sell it, and they said, ah, forget it. We are <laughs> going to give it away now, all these years later. So head on down to Zulu Records for some Vancouver rock history. Then we played This Is Radio, this is Radio Clash. It was a single, a song that was not released on one of their LPs, um, and it was a B-side to a single. So the Clash... Uh, so you had to get singles. Singles and B-sides were important, and that doesn't really exist anymore. The Clash believed that popular music in the 60s was about rebellion. By the 70s, it had lost their spirit. Reggae, they felt, was the music of rebellion, and they began incorporating influences into their music, starting with Police and Thieves. And here are the Clash records in my hand right now. You always bring out amazing little tidbits for me to examine Roger, thank you. For the 20th time, <laughs> I'm saying time. like for the 20th time, because Roger has been here 20 times, and here is the actual record 
of The Clash doing Radio Clash, a whole bunch of singles with the actual sleeves protected. You love the protector, don't you? Yeah. You biked out to CITR <laughs> with a protector. I, I always put things in a protector before I cram it into a backpack. Oh, what are we going to hear right now? What track are we going to hear right now? We, what are we doing, Roger? We are talking about <laughs> Vancouver record stores. Yeah. we were... And Seattle. And Seattle, yeah. We were going to do... Um, well, this show got pushed a few times, so it was going to kind of coordinate with Record Store Day, but now it's just about record stores. And today is a day, so it is record It's about store. a week after. Yeah. So it's a week after. It's the week after Record Store Day show. And what do we have coming <laughs> up right now regarding record stores? What track are we going to? Uh, well, I was uh, I was thinking that um, we could play uh, Mickey Dread and the Instigators, and this was recommended to me by Brady at Vancouver Selectors Records, as they are carrying on the tradition of electronic music and dub in Vancouver. And is that what track is that actually? Eight. Selector Records is a new store in Vancouver, isn't it? Yeah, it's newer. I they're nice enough to let me play records there. So you may you could even maybe meet me there one day. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. So here, on recommendation of Selector Records, here is Mickey Dread and the Instigators with the King Tubby produced Robber's Roost. As part of Roger <laughs> Allen's Record Day Week After Store Day show. show.
To look for something pop, I took a look around. And what do you think I found? I found a lawn playing daddy down at the record store. I found a lawn playing daddy. Don't want those others no more. I used to have the old fashioned kind. He used to stop. I had to start him up by giving him a wind But with a long-playing daddy He plays all night long Now a long-playing daddy doesn't give you any rest He's got a new-fangled gadget and it really is the best He's smooth and he's easy and he's always on the move You get three times as much because he's always in the groove I got a long-playing daddy He plays all night long I had a small 45, but he was too short for me I like my LP daddy, he's more satisfactory Short and sweet for grandma might have been all right But I'm a gal who likes to be entertained all night I got a long playing daddy He plays long and strong I got a long playing daddy And now I'm really content Never notice the wear and the tear And I swear the needle doesn't even get bent I used to hate that three-minute kind Cause it was over too soon and I'd be losing my mind But with a long-playing daddy He plays all night long Now believe me girls, I never liked that old-fashioned pace Because I always had to pick it up and put it back in place Got a swell attachment, it's really something new. He comes to the end, he starts again, he's never really through. I got a long playing daddy, he plays all night long. Now, with the old kind, you gotta get up in a minute or two. But with an LP daddy, there's nothing you gotta do. Got an automatic changer, it really is gone, man. You just turn over and you play right on. So, girls, if you're lonesome and blue today, maybe what you need is a good long play. A long playing daddy plays all night long.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with special guest TJ Crooked Walker. And what are we doing today, Roger Crooked Walker? <laughs> well, this is uh, the 20th time I've been on Nardwar show. So what is one and a half times 20? That's uh, 45 or 50 or 50, a lot of music. 45 to 50 hours worth of free content. And we're re- revisiting the first show, which was about record stores. And Record Store Day was just last week, so it makes sense. And you also got Bruce Pavitt to phone in. Yeah, yeah. So we are talking about not only Vancouver record well, stores, yeah. but Seattle. International record stores. Uh, well, from the top, we heard Mickey Dredd and the Instigators with Robert Roost. And then we heard uh, Ruth Wallace with Long Plain Daddy. Seem to have a lot of recommendations today, but I wanted to talk to people who are, you know, into record stores and, and, and that kind of thing. And that was recommended to me by Rob at Neptune Records, who felt that 78 was the perfect soundtrack to a record store. And yeah, 78s, records come in different sizes and play at different speeds. Robert Dayton of Camd Ham let me know that he became obsessed with the phasing of Dion's version of He's Got the Whole World. 
on the recommendation from the staff at Neptune. So yeah, record stores are people that know music, and you know you don't get that from the uh, MP3 store. And Nardwar, the Evaporators just played an actual Neptune's Record Store Day. What? What am I saying? The Evaporators played at Neptune on Record Store Day just last week. Thank you for coming out. We survived. Amazing. Record Store Day was amazing. Uh, Rob, the owner of Neptune, picked up a rare Sharon Jones record, which was amazing. Had kind of like a stand for it as I well. Had, it was I saw that. Inch. He recommended that I buy that. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Um, then we heard Pocket Fisherman, The Leader is Burning, and that was recommended to me by our old friend Nicholas Gazin. He recalls going to Groovy Gordon's Records in Queens, New York, and... Uh, yeah, and that reminds me of zines. Zines, they were the types of things you would find at a record store where you could find out about uh, upcoming shows, music reviews, all that kind of stuff. And here in front of Nardwar, I brought in a whole bunch of zines. And uh, Bad Attitude was a punk zine from Cranbrook, B.C. that was put together by Bruce Shibley, who told me he had an original Gentleman of Horse 7-inch that he sold 20 years ago for $450. And he got a zine out into the world by mailing it to the record store. And he told me that Nardwar, you know him from his crank calls to Mike Ness and Keith Morris, where he pretended to be Henry Rollins. That is mentioned if you Google Nardwar and Henry Rollins, you can see that interview where I actually asked Henry Rollins about that. This zine is amazing. And so this Bad Attitude zine, he got the record, the Gentleman of Horror record for free for review probably. Yeah, I think he, because um, he was involved with that uh, zine from uh, Pen or Kelowna too, where um, uh, the Gentleman of Horror the, the the members of the band, they're on the cover, and I think they actually put out a zine from, I forget, what was it called? Do you remember? that There was one from Kelowna. Um, so, yeah, he was friends with them. And, yeah, I believe he was probably given a few uh, seven inches for a gentleman of horror to review. Yeah. We also got an email tweet or a tweet from Andrea at Fond Regards, and she said, listening to the song Long Playing Daddy on Nardwar's show. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, any response to Andrea at all? Well, that song would be something uncharacteristic of what I would usually play, but, you know, sometimes you got to play things that are reflective of, of other people. And people, if they go to at Nardwar, <laughs> at N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, they can see a lot of your records, right? We have tweeted out pictures yeah. of your records. Yeah, we've there's um, all sorts of things, punk handles, zines, records. It's all on Nardwar's uh, Twitter feed. Thank you very much, Roger, for all this record store info. Any more songs we are going to hear or you want to talk about, etc., winding up here on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show? Mm. Well, actually, um, well, I want to say hi to my family, and thanks to everyone who answered my questions. And, uh, well, we could uh, play a record. We have to play an actual record, so why not play... Um, are you going to be able to set that up? <laughs> yes. Well, how about we play uh, The Only Ones with You've Got to Pay? This is a, a cool record that um, could go uh, along Are with... Are we going to play that right now? Yeah. So why don't you talk about, <laughs> while I cue that up, why don't you talk about some of the stuff you have brought in here today? Because as I mentioned... 
Roger hasn't only brought tunes, you have brought a whole bunch of tidbits. Is there anything you haven't shown or would like to tell the listeners about? Well, I queue up the only ones from Britain, right? The only ones? I'm not I think I actually think they're are they from Australia? I'm not sure. I th- I thought they're I'm not, but it, but I don't know. <laughs> I thought they were from Australian. They might be British. They've got an accent of some sort. Yes, they are from England. Well, I guess many why are we playing them again? Oh, because they remind me of, um, you know, Fallout Records. We didn't really play anything reflective of, uh, of what, um, you know, the kids were asking for, as uh, Bruce Pavitt put it, from uh, for the skaters and that. And I think that, that would reflect what they were playing. Uh, the only Canadian bands I noticed for this year's Record Store Day release were from Montreal and on Girls in the Garage, Groovy Gaelic Gals, Volume 10. <laughs> uh, I don't have that record here. Uh, I, uh, I I didn't. Um, some songs about records that we haven't played are The Kinks to the Bone, Elvis Costello with 45, Paul McCartney with High, 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 The Police with Can't Stand Losing You, The Tweeds, I Need That Record, Mark Ronson with Record Collector. Um, we don't have those, but we do have the only ones. Thank you so much, Roger, for bringing all this excitement in. And I love vinyl records, and I love fanzines as well. We did tweet out some pictures, some fanzines before. What can you say about those fanzines that we tweeted out that said the mods from Toronto on it? Remember the picture of the fanzines? What yeah. was the background on the stuff we tweeted out? Uh, the fan, that I, I should uh, thank uh, Lisa from... Uh Lisa, uh, a woman I've known for a long time, she it was nice enough to have uh, uh, kept all these zines from, I think they're from like 1984, 82. Uh, I, I don't have a lot to say about that particular one because, yeah, it's, it's from Toronto. So I've, I've looked through it. I don't know a heck of a lot about the bands. It's, it's kind of interesting that the mods are on the front as opposed to uh, the Dead Kennedys or Black Flag or something like that. Um, Dan Walters is uh, the guy who made... Um, this other zine, uh, terminally stupid, and he had he told me something kind of interesting. He said that collectors RPM would sell photos that he had taken at punk gigs, and in return he would be able to go see the shows for free. Um, and then he also made this zine, and this and he also made um, a cassette release of bands, which I believe was the cassette that was the. Uh, the inspiration for that all cassette show I did here with you, Nardwar, the, uh, I think it was called All Quiet on the Western Front. I believe that's what it was called. Um, so yeah, he did that and he made this as well. Thank you again, Roger, for coming in today. All records, all zines on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. 20 years. Simply <laughs> Saucer. Oh yeah, Simply yeah, yeah. Saucer. Yeah. That, yeah, that was great. You gave me a, um, I lent, I lent you a record, and in return, you were nice enough to give, give me a record, which was, yeah, that absolutely mint Simply Saucer 7-inch, uh, which I've never, I believe the record has never been removed from the actual cover, and it still hasn't because I can't get it out. Canadian proto-punk. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's great. I had a couple copies of the record. You were the second person to get that record. I gave that record firstly to Jello Biafra. Oh, wow. But he already had a <laughs> copy. But a record collector can always use two, right? Yeah, you never can have enough. I mean, maybe the serial numbers are different. You never know. So right now, we are going to hear the only ones. The only ones with You've Got to Pay. Well, thank you very much, Roger. Keep on rocking in a free world and do do loot do Skip. Skip. <laughs> so, so much for um Nard queuing. It's pathetic that um that Nard queuing is not working here. Oh, Nard. Oh, okay. Maybe you could say that again if you could, um, Roger. While I uh, requeue it because I pushed the wrong button. Wrong button. Okay, no problem. Okay, we're coming up on five o'clock. It's sunny and cool out, and if you're even making plans, it's Friday night. Be careful out there. Up next, we have the only ones with You've Got to Pay on Nardwar's Rock and Roll Radio Show. And toot, toot, loot, do. Doot, do. Shame it came to such drastic 